Welcome back to episode 45 of Insects for Fun, where every Tuesday we dive into something new and interesting in the world of entomology. Today, we're touching upon something many of us might know very little about, and that's entomotherapy. Okay, so I think everyone here understands what therapy is, and if you add entomo into the mix, then it of course must involve insects. And I don't know if you know, but using insects and insect extracts for medicinal purposes has been a long tradition for humankind, much like the practice of eating insects, which we covered way back in episode two. When did it all begin? Well, according to records in Egypt, the use of insects for healing was established back in 1600 BCE, which is the middle of the Bronze Age, and it's not that far from the Stone Age, meaning civilization was incredibly simple at the time. There are also records of people in China using the Chinese silk moth Bombyx mori in their medicinal practices that date back at least 3,000 years. Ancient Romans and Greeks were also using insects to treat medical issues. For example, Pliny the Elder, who was a Roman author and naturalist in the first century of the Common Era, wrote about the usage of insects for severe illness and to treat wounded soldiers in the Roman Empire. One such remedy was the application of honey on wool for sores and wounds. This actually made sense, because honey has antibacterial properties. On the other hand, there were also some really nonsensical applications, because the mentality at the time was that likes cure likes. For example, to cure baldness, you would use something that has little to no hair, like a fly for example. And sure enough, people had various fly remedies for someone that was bald or balding, including but not limited to rubbing crushed flies on your head, to rubbing the ashes of burnt flies, or even flies mixed with honey. And this was supposed to be done for around 10 days. Another great example would be to use crickets for sore throats or earaches because crickets sing on repeat and must have properties to help someone's throat or even their ears because all that stuff is connected, right? I don't feel so good. Aside from the old usages based on flawed logic, we do have proper usages for insects in medical practices both from a traditional and modern approach. So let's start taking a look at those now. First on our list would be the use of honeybees. These insects have been used for thousands of years for the treatment of various ailments, as we saw earlier in an example from Pliny the Elder. And there is an entire subcategory for bee-related therapies called apitherapy. Some of the common remedies used by bee-related products include arthritis pain, wounds, general pain from bruises, reducing plaque, and even gingivitis. There are even some studies revealing that the chemical makeup of bee venom can actually help suppress HIV. That's a lot to unpack, and I'm going to do my best to break it down for you, starting with the use of bee venom for arthritis pain. Bee venom therapy, abbreviated as BVT, has been around for a long time. We're talking ancient Greece kind of time, and for a good reason. Bee venom contains a very long list of beneficial peptides, amines, enzymes, and other good stuff, which promote blood circulation, decrease inflammation, and even reduce pain. In fact, one study found that the use of bee venom for arthritis pain can not only help reduce the need for other traditional medications, but it also reduces the risk for a relapse. But before you go outside and try to get stung, you should know there are other methods for administration, like an FDA-approved shot from a medical professional, 
Bee venom, along with its main component, melatonin, actually have an inhibiting effect on cancer cell growth for prostate cancer, as well as anti-tumor growth properties for breast cancer cells, cells in the liver, lung, melanoma, and even cancerous cells in the blood. But we still have a ways to go before we see bee venom in the treatment for cancers, because these properties have yet to be harnessed for targeting specific cancer cells. Now let's look at some other insects from a medical perspective. On the topic of cancer, we have another insect that actually acts like a drug dog, but specifically for finding cancerous cells. And this would be the fruit fly. Yep, these tiny annoying flies can actually sense cancer cells with their antennae. And they're kind of really good at it, being able to detect cancer cells in very early onset. And they've even been found to differentiate between five different types of breast cancer. It's even more wild though, because as it turns out, these flies are very easy to modify genetically. And people have actually engineered these flies to glow different colors upon sensing cancer cells. Oh my God. Moving along on the fly train, let's look at what maggots can do for us. And just so we're all on the same page, a maggot is the term used for fly larvae. Okay, let's get into it. Maggots have been used in the medical world for, as you can guess, a really long time. And there's actually a term specifically for this kind of treatment called maggot debridement therapy, or MDT. This kind of therapy was found to be extremely beneficial during World War I, when having open wounds and rotting flesh was not uncommon on the battlefront. In fact, they're still approved for use to this day in many countries around the world. And here's why. Maggots feed on decaying matter, and in this case, that would be necrotic skin tissue. They have no interest in feeding on anything else when it comes to the human body. They also can eat and kill many bacteria, like E. coli, for example. And they have other antimicrobial properties, which ward off bacterial infections. They've even been proven to reduce inflammation of wounds and improve wound healing by promoting the production of special cells in our body called microvascular endothelial cells. Maggots have multiple secretions, which are antibacterial and antifungal. And the use of maggots for treatment in antibiotic-resistant wounds is making a comeback as we enter a time when people are beginning to become more and more resistant to antibiotics. Last on our list today would be ants. Similar to bees, these insects have a lot of beneficial properties. And they've been used in the treatments for asthma, cancer, arthritis, and other infections in both modern and ethnic medicine. This is because ant venom is similar to bee venom and contains a bunch of handy antimicrobial agents and peptides. Not all ants have what it takes to be a form of treatment or aid in the medical world, but there are many species out there and we are only just really starting to dive into discovering what is available to us. Now, many people of course have been using ants as treatment purely from passed down knowledge, especially in ethnopharmacology. And some examples for that would be the use of leafcutter ants in Brazil to treat sore throats, ease asthma, help tuberculosis, and ease tendinitis. Other examples would be the use of the giant black ants and leafcutter ants as biodegradable and antibacterial sutures for internal surgeries in India. It's pretty smart actually. And I know wilderness explorers also use this tactic for stitching wounds when medical facilities aren't available. This might sound archaic and questionable for some of you or all of you, but the fact remains these ants have extraordinary healing properties. 
And scientists and medical professionals today are now really looking into and using extracts from various ant species for the remedies of modern medical issues. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode on insects and medicine. And if you have and are enjoying the podcast, as always, it is super appreciated if you decide to rate the show on whatever platform you listen. It really helps the show a lot. Links to the Instagram page and Facebook page will of course be in the show notes as well as the episode description. And if you would like to send a listener submission, you can reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, or send me an email at insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and you'll hear from me again next week.